Welcome to the Compliance Expert Radio Show, your source for the latest information on corporate governance, internal audit, SOCs, and risk management services. With in-depth interviews, discussions, and insights from leading experts. Hosted by Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum. This is the Compliance Expert Radio Show. And now, here is your host, Sonia Luna. Hi, I'm Sonia Luna, CEO of Aviva Spectrum, a financial transformation and compliance consulting firm headquartered in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm also a speaker and writer on topics like financial close transformation, COSO, ERM, internal audit, and accounting-related topics. My guest today, which I'm super excited about, is David Chavez. David is the Chief Audit Executive at DreamWorks Animation, responsible for creating the strategy, vision, and execution of the risk management and internal audit operations located here also in sunny Los Angeles, California. David also serves as an advisory board member to the North Carolina State University ERM Project, and he served as a governor of the board for the Institute of Internal Auditors for a local chapter in Texas. David was nominated in 2012 as a candidate for the PCOB Advisory Board, and today we'll be discussing what are the current issues and best practices regarding risk management, data analytics, and the best use of GRC technology in the internal audit department and across an enterprise. Prior to joining DreamWorks Animation, David was a national leader of Deloitte's GRC technology practice, where he managed multiple GRC-related engagements for Fortune 100 companies. And before that, David was the head of the ERM and GRC office for Dell Computers. He is the recipient of two MVP awards for the GRC Institute for his contribution to the GRC market. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Great, David. I'm excited about this interview because over the years, both in my experience and in discussion with other executives, the role of internal audit and its responsibility seems to grow, not shrink. Our listeners I know today will walk away knowing what steps to take when dealing with these you know, increased demands in their environment and how technology should be leveraged to meet these demands. So, David, since... You've had significant experience both as an executive and also as an advisor with one of the largest firms in the world. Can you share with our audience what are the core elements of first deciding the role and vision of the internal audit department? That is a great question, Sonia. In my opinion, the most critical question you need to ask yourself is how are you adding value? I believe over the years the expectation of the audit function has increased to a new level. Board and audit committees are looking to obtain deeper insight into risk management and not only control effectiveness. Therefore, vision and objectives of an audit function need to extend to risk identification and risk mitigation and continue to expand coverage to strategic risk while not decreasing your coverage on financial reporting, operational, and other compliance-related areas. And then last but not least, breaking the wall of being perceived as the internal police and building the bridge to be considered a real business partner while maintaining your independence 
it's critical to be successful in an, in an audit role these days. So really the, the value proposition is, seems to be a critical component, almost like this keystone element of what is this function going to do and serve an organization. And I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, staying away as, as being the perceived internal police for an organization because it takes a lot of collaboration with management to achieve a lot of the just the business goals and objectives, not to mention the internal audit goals and objectives. So um, getting them to collaborate and providing value back to them above and beyond the compliance effort seems to be a critical component. I wanted to switch gears a little bit on, on lessons learned, and I know you've been around and, and have done a lot of um, consulting, but more importantly, you're in the trenches, rolling up your sleeves, et cetera. Tell us what lessons you've learned when you had to deliver that message to the board, especially when it's delivering bad news. I think, I think very specifically, you, you always have to be clear, you have to be precise, and above all, you have to be very concise about the risk and making sure that you have done your homework and present a complete picture of what management is doing to address the issue and mitigate the risk. It can be easy to dive in too much, but being able to stay at the 10,000-foot level while not diluting the message is criti it's a critical balance. Also, I found that the conversation goes much better when you're sitting right next to the executive responsible for the risk and the mitigation, and you are delivering the message together. That way, you deliver a unified front while demonstrating a partnership. This will also help in a clear establishment of ownership and accountability where it truly belongs, which is with management and not with the internal audit function. Bad news, as you know, are always going to be bad news, but I think it's easier to deliver when you have a clear plan in place of what you think about the process and how are you going to fix it. And I would say that my experience has been uh, extremely similar when there's a unified front, both from the management team and maybe even some additional advisors that can collaborate and say, yeah, we also agree with some of the findings and the action plan. Um, it's been my experience as well that when you're delivering the message, um, the first thing is get your facts right. Make sure that the finding or the issue is really, um, it's been, you know, vetted, uh, management had an opportunity to really see the facts and the evidence and then help them develop a plan. I think if you put it on them to say, well, here you go, um, please have at it, figure out your remediation plan, uh, I'm sure most management teams, you know, they, they can come up with a plan, but if you start helping them with the process of at least things to consider or policies that are part of the management, uh, let's say, inventory list of things that maybe need to be updated or trained on, I think that shows the management team, hey, you're, you're here not only to, to, you know, call the facts what they are, but you're also trying to at least assist them in some of the resolutions and the plans that they they, they need to put forward. Because um, I've I've seen both uh, bad news delivered the, the best way and then not so good way, where um, not getting management in agreement with the plan just makes the board um, uncomfortable. It makes them feel like they've got to be the referee. Uh, what they'd much rather do is okay. They would much rather 
review the results, figure out if the plan is reasonable and meets the expectations uh, in terms of what the key stakeholders want, which it could be shareholders. So I, I love the fact that you had said very clear and precise and, and the risk mitigation. Now, most professionals believe they have a good idea of how technology should serve the internal audit function, but sometimes unique circumstances or, dare I say, crisis issues, they just pop up with very little notice or time to react. Can you share with our listeners what techniques you found most effective to dissect the root cause of a crisis issue and how technology you know, should be viewed when these issues do come up? I honestly think there's a big misconception on technology these days, and, and no offense to any of the technology vendors, but I think technology is often sold uh, sort of as, like a, a silver bullet, when in reality the issue most of the time is process or people. To me, the most effective way to, to navigate during those crisis modes is always to step back and take a look at the big picture. Going back to basics and really understanding from an end-to-end -end process perspective on on what how how and what to identify as the root cause it's always a critical path it's very critical to always also ask the question is this a new risk or is it a risk that was already identified or what is the control that failed to prevent or detect the risk from materializing i've seen in my experience that most of the cases people really don't step back and take a look at their control environment and really identify if there was something already in place that failed to prevent or detect or that pro pro uh, probably wasn't necessarily uh, properly designed. Uh, the last is that there's always, there's always a people, process, and technology issue, and, and I always recommend not to just default to a technology implementation without fixing the process first. Also making sure that the board and executive management really understand that while you can mitigate the risk, there is always a chance that the risk will materialize, and therefore you should always be prepared with a crisis response plan in case that happens. For example, everyone knows in these days cybersecurity is no longer a matter of if, but when, and the better prepared you are to deal with it, the better the outcome you're going to have in your hands. I really appreciate that plan that you mentioned. Uh, some folks call it, like you said, the crisis management plan, or, or some call it a crisis communication plan or some other plan. But the uh, interesting part of it is that there's a plan. There's at least some thought into the what if. Uh, and I love the fact that we've brought in the element of cybersecurity because, as you stated, which correctly, it's a, not a matter of if it will happen to an organization. It's a matter of when. And clarifying that plan and the core elements of the plan should be documented and trained. And I think that most organizations are starting to – the larger ones, I think, have have gotten – um, the message. I think it's more the mid-tier companies that are starting to, you know, digest some of these issues. But the critical component that I, I took away personally was this plan, that it's it's a critical component. And I found that board members, key executive um, members of, of management, they're not looking for perfection. They're not looking at a plan that, that covers every single thing that could possibly happen. What they're really looking at, the best ones that I've dealt with and worked with are just I need to know the core elements. I need to know who's going to be responsible for delivering some of those uh, key tasks. And more importantly, they're not looking for a, a, an exact 100% of that plan being executed. They're looking at 
most of those things were executed the way they agreed, not to mention when those crisis issues do come up, people should be visiting a plan and saying, hey, does does this issue really tie into the plan that we agreed upon, and if something needs to change in the plan, what is it? Rather than, oh, my gosh, we have this crisis issue, <laughs> let's verbally all discuss it and figure out how we're going to deal with it. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that you've kind of mentioned that plan. Now, tell us a little bit more about what should companies and boards consider when they need to make a change in the internal audit value proposition? That is actually an awesome question. I think the first the first question should be, what are you really trying to accomplish as a company? And, and also, how are you going to empower your audit function in order to be able to do it? Uh, it has to be more than just a piece of paper, and companies really need to ensure that they have the right leadership in the audit function and that they have a clear transformational plan that they're going to be executing against. For example, everyone talks about topics like analytics, but very few audit organizations have been able to really define what that means to them and how to separate between analytics that need to be performed for purposes of managing process versus audit analytics that will allow you to better identify risk and monitor risk across, across an organization. Also, typically, a transformation in internal audit comes with a requirement of adjusting the culture of the company a little bit and how the company will embrace that change. That is why having the right leader who will be able to break the walls and build bridges is critical. Otherwise, you may have some changes on the audit function or you may have an audit function who's trying harder to go in and, and be able to provide a, very, a better value into the organization. But if the organization is not also made responsible for managing the risk and changing the process, then it's not going to be balanced. Therefore, I think that communication across executive management and the mandate and the tone of the top of the organization on how they value the internal audit function is critical, but also how the internal audit function is going to be able to very very clear and very precise, be able to make and bring value to back into the organization. And that value should not be only in a way of providing assurance, but it's also how to how are they helping the organization in better identification of risk. And it's a fine balance when you think about independence, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to, to extend your reach and being able to help management with risk identification while not necessarily taking the responsibility of the risk or the mitigation of the risk across the organization. Yeah, I like the the fact that you've mentioned that balance and that objectivity and, and being independent. And then more importantly, you know, that top question is, you know, what is the organization trying to accomplish? What are the goals or the vision of that organization? And if the internal audit current value isn't supporting or aligning to it, um, that seems to be a very pivotal. It's a, it's a critical point that um, that's when maybe boards need to scratch their heads and say, is this what we really wanted? Um, and who knows, maybe an annual process of revisiting that internal audit value is something that they should be taking into account. Now, I wanted to switch on, on a more personal uh, note, David, here. Everyone has a story of how they evolved in their careers, you know, some like yourself from public accounting to now being part of a management team. Can you please share with our listeners your path? 
Yeah, of course. So um, I like always to say that I'm probably the least person to, to be able to properly answer the question because, in all fairness, if I look back to 17, 20 years ago when I started my career and, and looking at how I was probably interpreting my career to go, it's completely different to where I am. But I've had the great opportunity to perform many roles in my career. I actually started in Big Four doing typical financial audits and being on the forefront of, of performing audits for a large public organization or organizations. And then after some years, I actually moved to several management roles that, well, that went all the way from IT type of processes and, and, and activities to controllership, accounting, compliance, all the way all the way up to running internal controls and enterprise risk management for a Fortune 50 company. That actually gave me the ability to be on the other side of the table and to actually better understand the challenges that management faces on, on a typical day-to-day. Then I decided to go back to what I like to call the dark side and went back to public accounting, but now in an advisory type of role that basically allowed me to now better develop my skills on how to better communicate with clients and actually sell a value proposition, which is critical in that sort of advisory role. Now that I'm sitting in in an audit executive type of role, I can really say that I have the ability to better understand my clients and better navigate through the challenges of managing risk and, and making sure that the most important lesson for me has been to always put yourself in the shoes of the client and make sure that you spend enough time learning their process. The more you learn the process, the more involved you will be in, in, in how they are developing the solutions and how they are improving the process. Audit professionals, in my opinion, are better positioned to, to take a step back and look at the end-to-end process in an organization and being able to connect the dots for, for management. Keeping in mind that many business process owners typically are only looking at their silos and they're very, very focused on managing from where their process begins to where their process ends. And in some cases, they have a little bit more communication with others. But at the end of the day, the best value you can bring to the table is to be able to help them connect those dots and being able to provide a clear view of an end-to-end process and obviously making sure that you're helping them evaluating the risk the same way. That really gives you the ability of not only understanding your client, but also making sure that the value proposition that you're putting in front of them is, is one, going to be valued, and two, is really helping them to improve the process. And that, to me, is the biggest wall to break in order to be able to show a real partnership and, at the end of the day, being able to really add value back into the organization And as we were saying at the beginning, being able to step away from being perceived as just the internal police and really build the bridge of being considered a real business partner. I love it. I mean, it was definitely a a non-traditional path that you had, but at the end of the day, you brought it back full circle in terms of that partnership and the value proposition in terms of partnering with management to make them a, a success as much as the internal audit function. Well, David, we are wrapping up this interview, and I'm confident our listeners gained significant insight and even proven techniques on when and how to leverage some of that technology we were talking about in the internal audit function. Thank you, David, for coming on our radio show. Thank you. My pleasure. This is Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, signing off.